Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with Val Hughes of the Value Guys. I am a 30-year Wall Street veteran who has taken on a secret identity and gone underground in order to provide you with my candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen my face on TV. You've seen me quoted in the news, but my bosses would never allow my unfiltered views on the air, so I've disguised my voice and they'll never know. This week we look at the March 12, 2010 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. And, uh, yeah, I know it's very late. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but a couple of caveats first. This show is for entertainment purposes only, um, and that's not a guarantee. Uh, also, I'm using only Value Line as a resource here on the show, and actually also uh, Bloomberg uh, f Mobile for the uh, iPhone is a very handy tool for getting current prices, which is necessary when you do the show uh, weeks after the value line comes out because then the price on the value line is way out of date. So that's another story. Um, let's see, other caveats. I may have a lot of conflicts of interest. I may be recommending stocks I don't actually like. I may uh, be buying stocks I'm telling you not to buy, etc. Um, although I, I honestly don't do that. Um, but I have to say that I might. Here's a, a actual caveat that's really important. I may be completely uninformed, so um, keep that in mind. I am a professional. I do uh, manage a value fund during the week, but here it's after hours. Actually, it's late, uh, and so he here's some very important um, disclosures. I I'm drinking and have been for some time this evening. Um, I'm sleep deprived, so that's probably not a good time to pick stocks, but I'm forging ahead anyway. And finally, I'm jet lagged, so uh, that's a lot of stuff. And I may be hypnotized and not even know it. So I can't, there can't be any more caveats than that. Check all of our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com. Uh, where there are bios, which are pretty accurate, uh, some photos, but in disguise. And, uh, and maybe most importantly, we've been putting up four years of shows, and there's a button on the homepage to get to uh, my best ideas over four years. I basically, every few weeks, have a favorite. I do three ideas a week, and I put them up there. I buy them. And then I don't sell them. I did do a sell once, and I put a note, but then that started to seem like way too much work. So I just I bought them, and I left them there. And you can see I set up some columns and such. It's in Yahoo Finance, although it comes in as a some kind of MHT file, so you got to use Internet Explorer. But you can see the gains, the losses, what have you, uh, since... Uh, those stocks were recommended over the many years and the dates, etc. So that's at www.thevalueguys.com. Uh, okay, so uh, the format of the show, if you're a new time listener, um, I do three value ideas a week out of this week's value line, although, as I began to say, I'm very late this week with the show. Again, this is the March 12th edition. I'm trying to get caught up. 
the actual day today is, is over a week later. I don't even want to say when the date is. I've been traveling. we got a lot of stuff going on in the shop. And, uh, you know, what can I say? I've got a new schedule, uh, new, you know, commuting patterns, etc. I don't want to get into all the details, but it's just it's playing havoc on my ability to deliver this show in a timely fashion, and I'm going to try to get back to it. And uh, and so what have you? The show's a little bit late, but this is the March 12th edition. Um, the reason I'm doing it is I think there's just a lot of good ideas in this week's edition. Um, you know, there's uh, energy, and uh, there has been a, you know, a pretty healthy recovery from the lows of last year when people thought no one would ever use any energy again. I guess the consensus has come around. Uh, we, we maybe will be using some energy, so that's good. Um, but uh, there's still some good values in here, particularly if you have a longer-term horizon. And um, and I think that's mainly mainly what I did. No, I also did a – no, that's not right. I did a couple of uh, – specialty chemicals. But uh, first I want to do a quick rant. Now I get email and I take email, val at thevalueguys.com and I know uh, I have some outstanding email. I've been late getting back to some people who, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, looking at their work and such and I, I will get back to you eventually. But um, I've been doing a rant here in 2010. I do a rant and then three ideas and I've been getting some email uh, on both sides, some people like the rant, um, as poorly thought out as it is, so that's nice. And then others say, hey, keep it short. And I, I'm with the, that group. I want to keep it short. But as you may know, I mean, the, the, the nature of a rant is it can get out of hand. It's not scripted. All of a sudden, you get a little bit worked up. What do you? Next thing you know, you got a rant on your hands. In fact, even the notion of trying to schedule a rant on the show, you know, I think it runs counter to the nature of a rant. So sometimes I probably do force it a little bit. Excuse me, uh, but um, not too much. I don't know. So. Um, you know, I don't really have a rant too too much this week. Um, you know, the only rant I'd have is, I'll tell you how late the show is. The the healthcare vote was uh, yesterday, and so obviously there's been nothing else in the news. My rant this week is simply that, uh, and I had a side. I was on a side. I'm on a, the side of smaller government because I think a free markets allocating capital to highest and best use creates higher returns on that capital, and if you do that over decades and centuries, um, that leads to nations having two or three or four X on wealth per capita than the nations that don't. Um, and so I think when you look at nations that tried management of the you know productive assets of society by uh, government, um, what you had was lower returns, and that meant lower growth. And when you start compounding that over centuries, sure, it's not in any of our lifetimes, so I guess we could just not worry about it, whatever. But, um, you know, there were great civilizations in the past that are no longer great civilizations, and I just want to say uh, three words about that. Return on capital, okay? So... You know, how did the United States become the biggest economy in a 
short period as, as we have? I mean, it's population, of course. A lot of people came here because of the freedom, and you could see the passion in people. They would risk their lives to come here in leaky boats uh, and pay enormous sums uh, and work for in servitude for years to pay back the cost of the travel. I mean, people came here because of how bad it was in nations where the taxes were uh, actually lower than they are here now. So that's interesting. But those people came, they worked hard, and they earned returns unfettered by taxation. And a return is a growth rate. So if I start with a dollar and I earn just, let's do the math, 10% on that, that's a 10-cent return. The next year I have a dollar ten, so that's ten percent higher than the last year. Growth is the return, return is the growth. So when you compound that over a hundred years at three percent or four percent versus two percent, if you do the math, you're gonna have per capita wealth lower than you would otherwise when you have allocation of resources by individuals choosing what's best versus the marketplace driving capital to those uses that are rewarded with profits. So uh, when there's something good going on, people gravitate to it. If there's a shortage of capacity, prices are high, those people are rewarded. It draws other entrants into the market. And so there's a self actuating force that brings capacity to the areas that people want it and um, and by doing so you're maximizing in effect not only the wealth but let's say for those economists out there the utility because if there's a want um, there's the freedom to create a market to serve that want it's the same in nature which is untaxed uh, I think in large part other than getting eaten occasionally and so, um, you know, I don't know that this is exactly a rant. Maybe this is how rants go. All of a sudden you don't think it's a rant, and then it goes on. But um, my rant was going to be that I think there's too many people getting worked up about this health care issue. Um, it was uh, obviously a contentious vote, et cetera. The nice thing about it is that it's all about government control of assets and the notion that that leads to uh, – lower cost and higher service, those are measurable. Now, I'm a capitalist. I think when I draw supply and demand curves, which I did rant on about a few shows ago, so I forget which one, but probably a month ago I kind of talked through a supply and demand curve, I think this will lead to higher cost, lower quality, and as people get upset about that, and it won't take long, um, you know, there are elections, and that's the nice thing. So I guess the nice thing about it is there's no war, and uh, that's a nice thing about you know the political system. Um, and um, the notion that we can all sit around and even talk about health care, that's pretty high up on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, it means most of us have food, shelter, and, and love, right? So if we're talking about health care, so that's probably a good thing. And that's my rant. I don't even know if it was a rant. Okay, three ideas this week out of the March 12th issue, which I've already apologized uh, for being late with. And I'm going to try to catch up. I don't know if it's going to be this month. First up, Simerex Energy, ticker XEC. i got to have a beverage. 
thing about a rant is it could start to hurt your throat. Mm. All right. Um, Simarex Energy, XEC, page 429. I've never heard of it. Not that that means anything. And it's had a giant run off the lows of 15 back in 09, but a lot of things did. A lot of things got pretty crazy back then. And, uh, yeah, they have $400 million in debt. So back in March of 2009, if, anyone, if you had any debt, the market started to put a probability on you would you know, never be able to repay that debt. So, um, uh, so, you know, that was pretty serious. And at the time, the stock was at 15. The market cap on this thing... Um, was about a billion two. Um, now it's five billion. So the debt to market cap, which some some might look to in the notion of if you had to cover the debt right now by selling stock, how much could you get for it? That sort of thing. But we're out of that danger zone, out of that crazy time. A lot of money could have been made. Um, what do I like about it now? Well, it's still cheap. It's eleven times earnings, eleven times PE. It's uh, that's a 34% discount to the market PE. So I'm attracted. Just you know, those are along the top on value line, and I'm, you know, I'm not looking that carefully. I'm scanning, so that catches my eye. So I look down a little bit. Um, I tend to like energy, um, particularly if you can niche it into either natural gas, which is pretty abundant here, and there's cheaper ways now to find gas, I guess, in shale and all kinds of things. So, um, and gas is pretty cheap. I think, um, you know, it has these cycles based on global uh, temperature in terms of demand for gas for heating. And so, admittedly, right now, I think natural gas price per MCF, million cubic feet, is uh, down off some highs. But and it's always been at a discount to the equivalent price for oil, which I think is, um, if you take the natural gas per MCF price of, uh, let's say, $4 or $5, I think it's closer to 4 right now, times, I think the number is 6, right in if that's wrong, to get to an equivalent BTU equivalent for a barrel of oil. Um, oil, I think, is, uh, where is oil today? Is it 80, 70? I don't know. You know, I've been on vacation. But the point is, natural gas has always been a little bit out of whack. And uh, I'm not quite sure why, other than um, maybe it's harder to transport, not as, uh, you know, not as easy to to get to, to market, you know, who knows? It can only go where the pipes go, and maybe that limits its value. I don't know. But I suspect that the market share in natural gas, at least in the United States, is going to grow because we have it here. So I like that about it. These guys, of all the business that they do, they do about a billion eight in sales. Um, Value Line has a little thing on it here, a little blurb on it. They do uh, 1.3 trillion cubic feet equivalent, which 1.1 trillion cubic feet is gas and 45 million barrels of oil. So you can do that math yourself right there. 45 million barrels of oil is uh, 200 million something, uh, you know, cubic feet. So it it is about six times. Um, 
Value Line says they're going to generate $13 a share in cash flow. Stock is at 59 today. And uh, now they're going to spend $10 per share. But as I've talked about on the show, I got to think that a smart management team, when they spend $10 a share on CapEx, that's got a present value associated with it. They're not just burning the money, or they wouldn't spend it. So if it has a present value associated with it, maybe I ought to count that separately and look at the cash flow of 13. And this thing on that basis is about uh, five times, excuse me, um, which I like. The enterprise value to EBITDA, which I like as a cash-on-cash cash yield if we were to buy the whole company, market cap $5.1 billion, total debt $400 million, and there's no cash. So $5.5 billion, and uh, operating earnings are about a billion. So again, that's about five times. If we bought the whole company um, and paid five times operating earnings, and, and in value line we know that operating margin times sales is EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. If I pay five times, that's about a 20% cash-on-cash return. In other words, if I bought the whole company, uh, including the debt, I would have rights to that cash flow, and that would be a 20% return on my price. So what else do, what do I like here? Well, the valuation is key. I do think that the big theme is that natural gas is going to gain share and then local sources are going to gain share. Um, returns on capital here, you know, in the last few years are in the mid to upper teens, so that to me suggests management, you know, knows what they're doing. The debt levels are low. They haven't gotten themselves in too much trouble. Uh, they do business in mid-continent, so I don't know much about this. Um, but um, let's see. The Permian Basin, Gulf Coast areas, I mean, that's where all this natural gas um, ends up having a, a pipe to. Um, what else? You know, I don't know much here. Third Avenue, which I think, you know, some great value investors over there, Marty Whitman, they own 8% of the company. And uh, what else? They've added a lot to reserves recently, so they were smart enough to go buy some cheap resources last year when things were cheap. Um, so I don't know. I don't, honestly don't know much about it, but I like gas. I like local reserves. They have both. Returns on capital are strong. Five times earnings. Simerex, page 429. Okay, next up is uh, a company that, again, I don't know. I don't know much about. I don't know anything about. New Market Corp ticker NEU, page 472. Now, the value line of March 16th, which comes out actually, I think, March 14th, has a price on this thing of 91.96. but I just checked my <coughs> uh, Bloomberg app, which is very handy, and it tells me that today's close was 103.9. The stock's up, uh, you know, over 10% since this issue. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost straight up off a low of 23 last year. And I don't tend to like stocks that are up five-fold. Um, but let's ignore that for a minute. What's the opportunity right now? I'm looking at it right here. Stocks at 104. Um, cash flow per share, 13. So, you know, let's do the math. Let's call that uh, eight times, roughly. 
I've got earnings of $11, so that's 9 times, again, roughly. CapEx here, unlike Simerex, where they spent a lot of the CapEx, and I have to argue that I shouldn't count it, which is a fair argument, but it's I don't mind not having to argue that. And so on this one, cash flow per share, 13, capital spending per share, 2. So that's still $11 uh, net of capital spending. So stock at 103, it's nine times. I don't have to make that argument. In fact, why aren't they spending money? Here's a management team smart enough to know that they don't have projects that are worthy of spending the money on, and so they're going to give it back to me in some fashion. Um, let's see. It's not clear how they're doing that exactly. Um, well, they're. Uh, I was just looking to see if they were buying stock back. They they have bought some back in the past, but not recently. They pay a dividend. There is nearly a, well, a roughly 2%. I'm rounding up on that. Um, but uh, they're generating a, a lot of free cash flow. Their returns on capital are upper teens, low 20s. So... You know, there's, these guys are pretty smart. Uh, debt to capital is low, 30%. So they lever their returns on capital just a little bit. Their returns on equity are up in the low mid-20s, low 30s. New market, what do they do? I haven't said. They develop, manufacture, and blend chemical additives through subsidiaries, Alton Chemical and Ethyl Corp. Okay. Well, let's see. Provide lubricant, engine oil, driveline, industrial, and fuel additives for oil companies. They, uh, let's see, manufacture under the name Hitech, Greenburn, TechGuard, Biotech, and MMT. Um, well, look, if they own Ethyl Corp., I do know that premium gas used to be called Ethyl, and I think it's because of the tetraethyl lead, and maybe they invented it. I don't know, but they're putting up. Uh, margins of, um, you know, mid to upper teens that says proprietary in some fashion, right? Because if your costs are 83% and your operating profit is 17% of the, of the pie, then 17 over 83, in effect, is my markup, which I don't have a calculator here, but it's in the 25% range or so, or 20% anyway. And, um, you know, that means they're doing something. Now, in a commodity market, you know, maybe it's brand, maybe it's distribution. Um, you know, I don't know. Could be a friendly, well-educated sales force. There's lots of ways. There's a lot of ways to get an edge when your product is a commodity that don't have to do with the product itself, but it's, it's marketing. Um, and clearly, they've got something going to generate these returns. Uh, at this valuation nine times with a return on capital in the 20s, I really don't need to know almost anything else to just buy it and ask questions later, honestly. Now, the chart does give me pause, but I'm not a technician, so I'm going to just ignore the chart for a minute other than I do want to know what was going on during this uptick and what people thought they were learning, and do I still have any sort of edge in knowledge here? I, I probably don't. So you have to understand why the stock is so cheap. I mean, are they about to lose their franchise? Is their patent about to expire? Uh, has their biggest customer just fired them? I mean, none of this is in the value line. I don't know. But 
when you see something like this, there's something going on. And if it's just, you know, ignorance of the notion that natural gas, uh, I'm sorry, not natural gas, um, their particular lubricants are going to be in demand, um, it could be that they just had a big cost hike in something and they haven't yet passed it on in price. When you're an additive to um, uh, oil, uh, you know, an oil product, uh, generally you're going to get inflation and we are likely to have a period of inflation coming up. But sometimes you have to take your cost increase, your margin gets squeezed before you have an opportunity to pass you know, that along in pricing. And maybe they're, you know, right now in a period which we have talked about on the show where um, we had a little bit of a, you know, uptick in inflation a few years ago in commodities, if you remember those rocket high oil prices and all that. It's in 07. And a lot of these additive companies started to get some price increases because of those raw material uh, increases. And they probably got them contractually going forward right before oil prices collapsed. So my suspicion on this one is that um, they're in that zone where they've got some contractual prices for their particular additive. Meantime, their raw material price, which they were buying in the spot market, oil, is down a lot or or whatever it is that they're buying in the something in that barrel of oil they're undoubtedly buying to make their products, that that you know, in the spot market has left them with a giant margin. And in fact, their margin did jump up, a, you know, in the last couple of years. So this multiple and all is just suggesting that, um, you know, that margin's not going to be sustained and that things are going to unwind. And, uh, hey, I appreciate that. So, you know, maybe it's worth taking a look at. The notion that, um, it, you know, you're buying it and it's just going up from here, it, it may not be, admittedly. But uh, this, uh, you know, this this EBITDA that they're generating, I don't think is, you know, is uh, is going to be the last time they can generate it. And so, um, I I like the valuation and I like the uh, the proprietary nature of their of their additive. So new market NEU, page four seventy two, and then finally uh, Sherwin Williams ticker SHW, page 480. Uh, long-time listeners know I've done this a lot of times and many times, and so, uh, and I own it. I don't own either of the other ones, and I don't, I don't know them, which is pretty evident from my comments. Um, Sherwin-Williams, you know, they are one of the largest retailers of, of paint and uh, remodel types of products, coatings, varnishes, things like that, wallpaper. 3,500 company-operated stores. And, um, you know, the stock got a little bit beat up during 08, but it's it's been pretty steady in a pretty tight range. So stock's at 66. Uh, the all-time high in 07 was like 74, so it's off those highs a little bit. Sales peaked back then at Eight billion, and you know there is some correlation, obviously, between um, housing turnover and Sherwin Williams sales. Simply because when people buy a new house, oftentimes they repaint it, or when they're going to sell a house, they may repaint it or remodel it or what have you. And these guys are going to get a call. Well, you went through a period where all that activity, and we're still in it, 
uh, declined markedly. I'll just say markedly. So, you know, the company took a hit on that. But, you know, if you're not going to move, all those people that would have moved but don't have the money, you know, I mean, a remodel is a lot cheaper than a move. And if you find that you can't move, then, you know, you mourn that for a little while. But then you're like, hey, how about, why don't we paint instead? And these guys have locations that are terrific. They're right on a main street. They're in the little towns and villages. Um, They are one of the few paints that uh, I guess contractors like because uh, you can get coats in 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 one coat, so you save time. So they cater to that market, but then they also um, enjoy the affection of just do-it-yourselfers because they're right in the neighborhoods and all that. And um, as a retailer, uh, you know they they certainly have among the best returns on capital in the space because the numbers that they're showing as sales. Those are retail sales. You don't, you know, you don't really pick up a wholesale business here. Although there may be some within the sales number, or certainly sales to contractors and such that you might, you know, com- they may compete with wholesale, which makes their returns um, all the more uh, remarkable in that they undoubtedly have a bunch of business that's at lower margin. In fact, they're turning up, you know, putting up thirteen percent operating margin, 12 percent operating margin, yet uh, 20 percent returns on capital. So when you see a return on capital that much higher than operating margin, it means that their asset utilization is very high. They're doing something right. Now, part of it is, of course, that the space itself um, is, you know, off balance sheet in a way. It's leases. And so, you know, the capital... Uh, commitment you have to those leases, it may not be in Value Line's total capital calculation, and I don't know their calculation, but if you're earning money from a retail store, you've paid for the rent, um, but you haven't necessarily, uh, you know, um, accounted for the capital in a lease because it's, it's not on the balance sheet. It's just a monthly expense. So the return on capital, that could explain the high number. But a lot of retailers do that. So in terms of apples to apples with other retailers, it's certainly a fair comparison. And they sell paint, which is a commodity. So I've always been impressed with the company's ability to put up good returns. And right now they're selling at about a market multiple. The enterprise value to EBITDA is um, the enterprise value is, you know, the market cap is $7 billion. They've got $800 million in debt, no cash to speak of. So $7.8 billion, EBITDA of a billion, that's eight times. So, again, my math would be if we bought the whole company, what would we earn? One over eight, and that's, uh, what is that, 12%, 12.5%. And then we're going to earn the growth as well in terms of the growth in the value of our investment every year. Value Line says they're going to grow 5 or 6% over the next five years, but there's no, there's been no period in the past where they've grown that slowly, and I think that's just too low. Um, if the industry grows at that rate, that's fine. I'm not going to reject that, you know, the idea that that could happen. But Sherwin-Williams has such economies of scale that um, if we are in that kind of slow-growth environment, then a lot of mom-and-pops you know, are going to, are going to sell out. They're going to sell out to Sherwin-Williams and other people. But, um, you know, I think that um, 
you know, slow growth and a tough economy and even growing government spending as a percent of the total means that uh, the capitalist firms that are remaining, the free market, is going to be even more brutal for companies that can't compete. So there'll be even less room for inefficient competitors. Sherwin-Williams, with this type of return on capital uh, and this type of balance sheet, you know, they're just going to go to town on, on weaker uh, mom and pops. And so um, I think you'll probably earn in the low 20% you know, rates of return on this because their growth rate is, is going to have to be higher than this level. You know, it might, I don't see any reason why it simply wouldn't be what it's been in the past, frankly. So uh, those are some of the things I like about it. Let's see what Value Line says here. Well, they are continuing to close down underperforming locations. That's going to help their next couple-year comparisons. Um, you know, sales are still tough, still a tough environment. Let's see. Something got very good recently. Ah, fourth quarter year-over-year earnings comparison. You know, you cut some costs. Again, these environments for good competitors, they're really helping uh, to hone, um, you know, the efficiency of systems and processes that are going to pay dividends for years to come and can eliminate competitors at the same time. So it's not all bad um, for capitalists during this period. You know, the stock's up a little bit, but I'd buy it right here, and I have Sherwin-Williams, SHW, page 480. And that really wasn't that great of a review, but I think the salient elements uh, were, in fact, told. So let's review here. What's my favorite? Um, we've got New Market, Simerex, and Sherwin-Williams. I know Phil needs to know. Because uh, I don't even know at this point. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the Simerex XEC because I like the gas play, page 429. And that's all for this week, March 12, 2010, edition of the Value Line Observer with values of the value guys. Check us out at www dot the value guys dot com. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. Bye bye.